I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money Express. I'm Glenn James. Thanks for having a listen to the Express podcast. I like to do these uh, Express episodes every now and again. We keep them short. We keep them brief. Now, I want to talk to you today about micro-cap investments and micro-cap companies. What are they? How do they work? Should you invest in them? I'll talk about that first. The reason why this came about was there was an AFR article yesterday on the 29th of June that referenced me uh, around this topic and an online investment event. And secondly, I will swing around and just address that briefly. And I thought I would jump on and address uh, the micro cap uh, companies and all that stuff because a few people have slid into my DM and asked me about them. So, you know, like every lazy podcaster does, I went straight to Investopedia. And while, you know, some of the stuff on there, it's probably, you know, not accurate, but I think it's accurate enough to get a good sense of which way the wind's blowing. So, I think we need to first understand when we talk about uh, listed companies, and that's a company that's listed on an exchange. So, on the Australian Securities Exchange, ASX, if I've got uh, a company that's listed on there, it's listed on the exchange and people can publicly trade shares. And there's kind of, you know, three-ish or four style, four sizes of companies. There's the micro cap, there's the small cap, there's the medium cap, and then there's a large cap. So, you probably don't need to be Professor Science to work out that Commonwealth Bank of Australia uh, is not a micro cap. It's actually a large cap company. Uh, A micro cap is a stock with a market cap, and a market cap basically means what the company's worth. So, every single day, shares in a company listed on an exchange has a share price. If there's, you know, 5 million shares times $3.82, the share price, that's what the market cap is. That's how much the company's worth. So, a micro cap is a stock with a market cap between 50 million and 300 million. We'll say this is US, but it's probably around the same type of guide in Australian dollars. A small cap is generally between 300 million to 2 billion. So, again, we know that the bigger the company is, the longer that it may have been around. Uh, It might be more predictable. It might, um, you know, let's just take Woolworths or Coles, for example. That's a big company on the ASX. We know that uh, Woolworths and Coles shops have been around forever. Sure, the share price might fluctuate, but the company's got a long bloody track record and it's doing its thing and and it's a good good company. Um, It's got lots of research. There's a variety of different uh, stock research houses that have had a look under the hood and go, yeah, we we recommend that you know this is a buy or this is a sell. So it, you know, there's plenty of activity, uh, lots of liquidity. So you'll always uh, have a buyer for Woolworths and Coles and CBA. But when we go down the other end of the spectrum, and we look at these micro cap stocks, 
they're companies which you probably haven't heard of. And what that means is it could be a newer company, not always, uh, but what it means is it's in comparison to a big company, the share price might be very volatile. And that means, and you might've heard the word penny stocks. And that means, you know, you could buy a share in a company for pennies. So it could be, you know, a five cent a share company, could be a 10 cent a share company. And we know that the share price can increase due to demand. So like anything, like gold, like Bitcoin, the more people that want it, it could be like anything really, could be like toilet paper. You could probably during COVID sell that at a premium on Gumtree when there wasn't many around. So if there's a big demand there and we know there's limited shares, the price will be higher. But when there's not demand or more, there's more sellers in the market than there are buyers, the share price falls. So with these micro cap stocks, there could be days on end where you could put a, an order in through your self-wealth, through your open trader, through your hero through your name, your broker, EJ Comsec, and it might not be fulfilled because there's no buyers for it. And that's really bad in terms of liquidity. You know, if you want to sell your shares, you might not have a buyer. And conversely, there could be volatile swings in the share price each day. So a micro cap stock might increase by 20 or 30% in a day and then swing the other way the next day because it's just so volatile. When you you look at the top 200 companies on the ASX, like your Woolworths and your banks and all that, sure, you might get a, the odd day where it's a 5 or 6% swing, but generally it's few and far between, but it's unlikely you'll get a big swing of 20% on a top 200 stock. But hey, anything's possible, right? So you just need to know that with our investing, as a rule of thumb, we want to make sure that when we're investing in things, we first understand it. So we just need to understand. And microcap stocks, they tend to have greater volatility because there's less people that are buying it. So the price go up and down and it's just wild, right? Which means that's inherently uh, riskier than buying a share in a small cap or even a large cap stock. There's limited information on microcaps. You might see a microcap or a small cap fund on your online broker and there might be a little section where there's like research from different uh, research houses. You know, research houses only have that many uh, resources to actually research and have a look under the hood of publicly listed companies. And there also could be limited information on microcaps, making uh, research really hard to get. So we know that with a listed company, uh, you can go into your brokerage account, type in CBA, and there might be a whole heap of different recommendations from, you know, could have Morningstar, could have Zenith, whatever the uh, research house is, they'll have their view on that stock, whether it's overpriced, whether it's underpriced, uh, the PE ratio, all this stuff, because it's publicly available information being a publicly listed company, and they've got the resources to look at the big companies, but these research houses don't have uh, the manpower to basically look under the hood of every listed company. So we know that research and actually getting uh, some analysis might be harder. So it's just basically horses for courses. You just got to have a look. It's basically the complete opposite. We know when you log into your uh, self-wealth account or your online broker or whoever that is, that 
you know, you type in CBA, you type in Woolworths, there will be a heap of recommendations and a heap of info because they're big companies, more people have looked at them. So we just need to know that micro cap stocks are inherently riskier than buying even a small cap or a large cap stock because no one's heard of them. There could be less buyers to buy the shares and trade the shares. And one step further, these companies, you know, and a lot of them are mining companies, like they could list to try and raise money to invest in prospecting. What if they never strike gold? What if they never strike the rare mineral or the lithium that they're looking for? They might not be around. So it is uh, speculative when we're looking at micro cap stocks. Now, are micro cap stocks all bad? No, absolutely not. And this is why uh, I wanted to have a chat today. But before, actually, before I do that, I was looking at some of the micro caps that are out there, some names that you might know. And one popular name that's pretty much considered a micro cap is Raise. So Raise is a cool investment platform and lots of people use it. They've got the cool roundup features that it invests in ETFs and all that. You can actually buy shares in Raise itself. It's a listed company um, and that's a micro cap stock. I think it's worth about $130 uh, million. So it's in that category. And does that mean that it's a bad company? No, no, it doesn't. Does that mean that uh, it will be as popular as CBA Woolworths? Well, no, no, it doesn't either. But I think it's just important to realize that not every micro cap is bad not every micro cap is good. Not every large cap is good and not every large cap is bad. Everything's just horses for courses and you just need to understand uh, before you go investing into things. And I will talk about some, and sorry, this is a bit of a rant. It's not really uh, planned and I will wrap this up. But with investing, um, I would suggest as a rule of thumb with your investing portfolio, there's a couple of things with micro caps. Number one, they're single stocks. So in my life, I don't have more than 10% of my net worth. So everything I own in single stocks. So you can think of what guidelines you want. And the reason why is for me, the data shows that as me, as an individual trader, if I'm buying and selling my own individual stocks, I will do worse than just buying the index, just buying uh, the market. In fact, there's a website called, I think it's Siva Report or something like that. You can have a look at it online. I'll put a link in the show notes. But I think there's about 60% of active fund managers in the States that underperform the index. So if professional fund managers who are individually choosing single stocks each day, can't even beat the index, what chance have I got? Bugger all. So that's why I keep an allocation of less than 10% to individual direct equities. So we know it's risky within itself in terms of what I buy, if I make the right choice, and if I purchased the Afterpay four years ago and it went to the moon and I made all this money, it's not because I'm a smart investor. It's just I got lucky and rode it to the moon, right? So that's the the risk why I've governed that in my own life because I don't want to get it to be like gambling. But if we double down on that and then 
look at microcap stocks, it's even riskier because the underlying stock is riskier. So not only the strategy is risky, but the underlying uh, investment of a single stock is riskier. So I would like to say that, you know, if you do have a portfolio, maybe we keep microcaps at under 2% of your portfolio or 2% of net worth, whatever you want. Just have some guidelines that work for you. Uh, in the AFR article, I even think the, let's have a look here. I've got it here in front of me. Yeah, Brendan Malone, Chief Executive of Investing at Raise, uh, said he agreed that small cap stocks may be too risky for many inexperienced investors and should keep below 5% of a well-diversified portfolio. So what it, like I would say 2% of micro cap, 5% if you want on small cap. And it's not about splitting hairs. It's just about having a guide in your life. But what I was thinking as an example, we've talked about this core and satellite investment approach. And put simply, the core is the lion's share of your portfolio and the satellite is just something that's smaller that's sitting out there. So think of the earth and think about a satellite that's just out there. Uh, It's smaller in size uh, and it's still meaningful, but it's just smaller. So, and I've literally just making this up. So you might say in your made up portfolio, I'm going to invest 45% in IVV. I'm going to invest 25% in IOZ. So what's that? 40, 50, 70%. And then I'm going to invest 20% in VAP. So for example, I've got 45% in international. I've got 25% in Australia, top 200. I've got 20% in some property. So we're up to 90%. Then as my satellite, I'm going to have 10% in single stocks that I think are interesting or I you know, want to take a punt on, whatever you want to do. I mean, it's probably bad that it's a punt with investing, but if it is going to be a punt, that's why we really need to keep it well under 10% of our net worth if it's a single stock, or particularly, I think, 2% of your portfolio if it's a micro cap stock. Problem is, if you put, say, $2,000 into a, if you had a $100,000 portfolio and you put $2,000 into a micro cap fund, if it does well and it increases 100% and you double your money, awesome. The problem is if it's a turd and it gets flushed, you've lost your money. So we just need to cap the downside. Um, So that's why. So it it could be that your core portfolio is IVV, IOZ, VAP. I'm just making up these things here. And 10% of that portfolio might be single stocks. And some of that might be micro cap. So It's just about having a diversified portfolio and removing the risk. Now, just finishing, I don't think microcaps are bad at all. And in fact, I actually invest in a microcap fund and it's the Osville microcap fund. Now, it's an unlisted managed fund, okay? Uh, My financial advisor in the model portfolio that uh, they run for me, this is one of their holdings in the model portfolio. Uh, If you wanted to invest in this fund directly, uh, it's a $20,000 minimum. But if you're investing via a platform, it won't be that much. Now, the reason why I like these type of funds is because the fund managers actively look out for small funds. They actively look out and research them. So 
I can scratch the itch of getting an up-and-coming investment in that asset class, if you want to call it, like it's Australian shares, but it's kind of, you know, ultra-specific. And there's a team of people at Ausbill who are actually doing the research and I'm scratching the itch of getting some micro-cap fun in my life or some micro-cap investments in my life, but it's not just in one single stock. So, it's a blended fund and... Let's have a look here. Uh, I'm just reading, and this is an advice to buy the Ausbill microcap fund. I'm just, I like using legitimate examples. Investment style, Ausbill utilizes a core approach and seeks out the best opportunities within the microcap universe. Our focus is on identifying liquid, well-positioned and appropriately structured companies likely to enjoy positive earnings and revisions over the coming period. The process is summarized below. So they'll do a top-down analysis, They'll do an investment-grade filter, ensure accessible earnings and sufficient liquidity. They'll look at the stock selection then, fundamental stock analysis backed by dual quantitative ranking screens. I don't even know what half this crap means. And then they'll look at um, putting it into the portfolio. So, and, you know, Zenith and Lonsec and SQM, you know, they've got some ratings there. It's got the platforms that it's available on. And this is what, this is what I mean, like the top five key holdings – Australian Finance Group, so AFG. Well, they're actually a mortgage aggregator, so they're getting pretty big. I've heard of them. Um, Betmakers, never heard of them. I'd imagine it'd be some gambling thing, which is weird. I don't know if I'd want to be invested in that directly, but there you go. City Chic Collective or City Chic. What's that? City Chic Collective. (laughs) John Ling Group and Karoon Gas Australia. I mean, it's probably not an ethical portfolio, but... It's an example of like some of these companies I've never heard of, but they're investing in it. The management fee is 1.2%. So it's not a cheap bloody fund and there's a performance fee, but over seven years, uh, they've outdone the benchmark that they're going against, which is the, um, yeah, the benchmark is the S&P ASX Emerging Companies Accumulation Index benchmark. Uh, and over a 10 year, uh, period, they've outdone the benchmark as well. So, not all, you know, if you want to go there, not all active funds perform worse. Um, but for me, companies like this, it just speaks to the longevity and history of the company. And I'm happy to invest in companies that um, have a long track record of being around for more than 10 years. And, um, but yeah, you might even want to just Google this just to uh, get some information yourself about uh, microcaps and how they work. Yeah, so the Ausbill Microcap Fund provides investors with a diversified portfolio of high-quality dynamic companies outside the top 200. So there you have it. Um, so I don't know if there's anything else I want to add on microcaps. To me, it just says with our investing... You want to have the lion's share of your money in a diversified portfolio across a variety of different asset classes. So it could be Australian shares, international shares, property, infrastructure, alternate assets. You just, it's that old fashioned thing, eggs in the one basket. But if you're going to put eggs in one basket, make sure the egg that you're putting in that basket is one of your smaller eggs because the basket gets stolen, you don't want your big egg to be bloody taken. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. And that's why 
when we're investing in single stocks, we want to make sure, and this is just, I say we, I'm talking about me. When I invest in single stocks, I only allocate 10% of my net worth to single stocks. And then within that, if I'm investing into an individual micro cap fund, it's going to be 2% because I can't afford to be flushed out if you know they don't find that um, mineral, if they don't get that government approval, if they don't, I don't know, get that um, trade deal with uh, another country. Like it's just also speculative. And the AFR article, and I'll segue to this, it actually mentions me. So Alex, the journalist, he called me yesterday and said, are you going to that event um, online? And I said, no, I declined. Glenn James hosted the popular My Millennial Money podcast and former financial planner said investors should keep micro cap stocks to below 2% of their portfolio as a general rule, likening some to cryptocurrencies in terms of their risk profiles. Uh, Mr. James, who declined to join other so-called influencers in speaking at the event, said delegates should be aware of the commercial arrangements of industry events. There's always a catch for any free information he told the Financial Review. This is obviously a conference about selling microcaps. Now, a couple of things. The reason I said it's kind of like um, cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin, it's because it's so unpredictable. So that's why I believe microcap stocks are akin to cryptocurrencies because it's just unpredictable and there could be big swings and you could get taken out uh, and flushed. This uh, conference... You know, the reason I declined was actually a couple of reasons. Uh, One, it was I get approached so much. uh, Now that the My Millennial Money podcast has grown and it's it's becoming more popular and I'm so thankful for that, I'm always approached to speak at different events and, um, you know, everyone texts me like, oh, can I just pick your brain for 10 minutes? And literally, if I said yes to every opportunity I got, I'd have no time to do the bloody podcast. So I've actually had like, I just declined most things and particularly some things that I decline. It's for a couple of reasons. Uh, The first could be, well, you're running a commercial activity. If you want me to speak at your commercial activity, you can pay me uh, to speak because I don't work for free and I don't think anyone else should work for free. And then sometimes even if they offer to pay me, I'll decline based on I don't believe in the product or whatever they're doing, right? So that's just, that's one angle of it. Uh, The other angle of this online conference, and I don't think you can even get tickets for it anymore. Uh, You can search, it's the Market Lit Conference. Um, And the the lady who's running it, uh, I, I don't think she's got any malice or whatever. And I've got no ill things toward her if she's listening to this. In fact, give me a call. It'd be cool to have a chat. Um, I don't want to associate my name and possibly introduce my audience to things that I think could be damaging. And what I mean by that is if I did an event and there was someone talking at that event and they were talking about their company and we're doing this and we're doing this, this is awesome. And then someone goes, oh, I've got five grand that I want to invest in shares. I love what this guy or girl's talking about. I'm going to I'm going to invest five grand into that company because they said that they're listed. They said that I can invest five grand into that. I believe with the mission. I believe with this. Awesome. 
absolutely invest in it, but don't do more than 2% of your portfolio. And the risk is that people will see that as, oh, I'm just going to put all my money into this. And it's actually a micro cap and it's actually risky and it's actually, actually speculative. And then if you wanted to sell or if the price dropped and you couldn't get your money out because it's a liquid, it could be a disaster. So, I'm just hyper careful uh, with what I put my name to for a variety of reasons. Um, it's as simple as that. And as well, I, I don't really want to get in the weeds of uh, newsy things. Uh, and I'm not a journalist, so just know that. Um, the organiser, Leldy Smiths, I'm just reading from the AFR article, market lead organiser, Leldy Smiths, co-director of Investor Relations Boutique, the Capital Network confirmed about 40% of the presenting companies are corporate clients of her firm who will not pay a speaker's fee beyond their existing retainer. Uh, The rest are paying a fee to recoup production costs. Uh, And then she said, like just to give everyone a balanced view, uh, I did not set out to make a profit, but rather to prove that millennials and Gen Z investors need an investment event and that the finance community wants to speak with them, Ms. Smith said. Innovative listed companies understand the importance of connecting with emerging investors. Absolutely, uh, we want to connect people with emerging investors, but I would rather connect emerging investors with a diversified balanced index fund rather than a uh, microcap fund. So that's just me. Um, but by all means, uh, Leldy, after the event, and I did try and buy tickets for it, uh, but the event right thing's closed, so I can't even watch it tomorrow. But yeah, I, um, I'm absolutely not a journalist and I just wanted to comment um, on the reasons why I decline uh, going to events. And even Alex, the journalist, when he called me yesterday and wanted, you know, wanted to know why he didn't see my photo on the, the event thing or why I wasn't involved, um, I think he provided a, a balanced view. Like he, uh, He's the journalist, so he has to ask all sides uh, the questions where... I'm not a journalist. I'm just telling you my side. So, hey, I've outstayed my welcome on this Express podcast. But, um, yeah, we will uh, we'll talk soon. Hope that's made some sense. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.